Hey everyone, welcome back to The Unbeatables. I'm Sam Finley and I'm joined by co-host and sports editor at the Daily Journal, Ryan O'Leary. Yep. And we are also joined by a very special guest, Max Clark. You all know who he is. He doesn't need an introduction really. Max, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. We're just here to preview baseball, kind of talk to you about how you're feeling about the season. Obviously, you're a very big factor in that Franklin Grizzly Cubs team that was able to kind of really compete with Center Grove in that sectional, uh, I think it was semifinal. Yeah, because yeah. it was the uh, Greenwood got to the final. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys <laughs> pushed them. It was a one-two game, I believe. So, yeah. Obviously, you have to feel pretty confident with your ability to hang with these guys, but that revenge factor, how do you feel about that team? Just like you want to get that sectional title and you want to beat them again or you want to beat them. Yeah, you know, going into it, um, definitely got a chip on our shoulder this year. Um, Kind of watching them celebrate in front of basically our entire fan base was really, really salty in the wound to say. Um, and obviously like we've all grown up against these kids. We played them since we were like five and six years old that we work out together, things like that. So there's real, there really, really is a, a different type of competitiveness when it comes to a game like this. Um, I'm super excited to go at them as well as any other team in the Johnson County, but definitely center Grove this year. Um, I think, I think we have what it takes to beat them. I think they have what it takes to beat us. Um, I think every time we step on the field together, it's going to be a, neck and neck game and I'm just hoping that we uh we draw each other opposite sides of the bracket so that it's a championship <laughs> game in the sectional because I know that that will bring out ridiculous amounts of fans so um I'm definitely excited but uh definitely playing with a chip on our shoulder this year is there a little yeah. bit extra of that when the, um you know coach's poll comes out and you guys don't even so much as receive a single vote were you surprised by that or I mean do you guys just kind of brush that off or do you kind of just take that as a little bit more fuel um, I'm definitely surprised by it, and I definitely do use this fuel. Um, you know, last year we knock off teams like Cathedral. We knock off teams like Fishers. Um, we play Center Grove five to four. Um, I'm try- like we played we played five of those top ten teams, and either won or lost by one. So to say that we're not even in the top ten is a little harsh, um, and to not even receive an honorable mention vote is even more harsh. But uh, I'm just glad PBR had our back with the uh, number 12 <laughs> ranking. That was that was a good feeling. But, yeah, def- that's definitely just more fuel of the fire, man. Um, I feel like rankings are a little obsolete, but just <laughs> just not being there is, is definitely a, an ugly feeling. So we'll, we'll be playing for that top 10 this year. How different is this for you? I mean, obviously last year having not had a freshman season, you know, it's kind of the whole high school experience was a little bit new to you. Having does having a year of that under your belt make a difference? You think, or I mean, is baseball just baseball to you, regardless of the setting? Um, I definitely think it made a huge difference, honestly. Uh, so la- a little background: last year in my first high school game against Roncalli, the scrimmage, I uh, I went zero for five with four strikeouts, and then on the mound I walked three, hit one, and got zero outs in the little simulated game. So, like just that game alone. I was more nervous than I've ever been on any national stage. I feel like there's a there's definitely a different pressure when you're playing in front of people you know and you're playing in front of your town. Um, I definitely feel like I carry some weight of the town at times, and I have to, like, get away with that um, or get away from that, excuse me, which I have done this year. I feel like this year it's less about 
proving myself to people because people know I can play now. But it's more about just like doing it for people and having fun and winning games. Um, yeah. I've de- like this year against Ron Colley, I had an outstanding game. Um, I was definitely way more relaxed, even though it's the first game of the season. Um, I definitely feel more comfortable around my town, around my friends, everybody that's there. Um, and even the teammates, like last year, I felt like I had to prove something to them. But this year, they're all just like, yeah, we know you can do it. Go do it. And then I feel the same about them. Yeah. Well, you talked even, um, you know, I saw you had a little appearance on MLB Network there a few weeks ago. Where mm-hmm. it was like, and even even during that, you kind of talked about, you know, just the importance of the community and just sort of doing it for them and taking them, you know, including them in this whole hype train that you've kind of <laughs> got going behind you here. But, um, you know, just talk a little bit about just what that connection is like. I know you had talked going into last season about how you had never had a chance to really play a game in front of people in Franklin like you've just been because, you know, mm-hmm. playing travel ball with the Bulls and whatnot. But, I mean, just having a chance to wear that Franklin uniform and play with these guys again, like just what does that mean to you? Um, honestly, it means the world to me. Um, kind of getting out in front of a community that, uh, like Franklin, is something special. Um, it's been a while since we've had a state run with a baseball team, but I feel like the community knows that this year and next year are definitely the years that can do it. Um, and the only people that are holding us back are those in the West <laughs> wearing red. Um, <laughs> so uh, just kind of the support from the community is something that is really, really special to not just me, but the entire baseball like team. Um, when we have people showing up on a Tuesday night against Perry <laughs> Meridian, packing the stands and bringing all of their little kids who stay pitch one to the end of the game, that, that just shows you how, how um, strong this community is and how, how well they represent what we want to be. Um, I feel like the ability to have a community that backs you through everything is definitely a game changer. Um, I feel like having fans at your game 24-7 is a game changer. And I feel like both of those things we have with the community, um, they're, they're special people in Franklin. And that can make for a special team, especially when the support that they give you. Yeah, you mentioned the support. I guess on the flip side of that, do you feel like they kind of – this community helps keep you grounded in a sense? I mean, obviously with everything you got going on, I mean, like, there's talk about, you know, possibly even being the first overall pick in the draft next year. You know, does having these people around you that have kind of, you know, your day one, so to speak, that have been there when you were six, seven years old, like mm-hmm. does having them around maybe kind of – keep you like a sense of remembering where you came from and not getting <laughs> too gassed up when things like that happen on a national stage. A hundred percent. They do. Um, the ability to like have a group of guys and a group of parents that can put me in my place when I'm getting out of line or kind of being arrogant, like something of that sort, even if anything of that sort, mm-hmm. um, having that ability and having that group of people that you trust is a really, really good feeling. Um, just kind of growing up with those guys and growing up with those coaches those are basically my family. Those are the second part of my family. Um, so this last year with them, obviously, is going to be something special. And having them with me throughout my entire road has definitely kept me, rem- like, remembering where I came from. Um, like, I grew up playing on a baseball field that was in a backyard of someone's house. Yeah. And then we turned it into a 2,800-square-foot <laughs> building. And then we turned that 2,800-square-foot building into 12,000 square feet. And now that 12,000 square feet is 36,000 square feet. So like that is, 
a ridiculous reminder of just how fortunate and blessed I am to have a Franklin community. Um, have they had have they upbringing. had to smack you down at all or? Oh yeah, I mean every once in a while, <laughs> definitely <at> practice. <laughs> I'll be pimping some like BP home runs. They're just like, all right, dude, that's enough. I'm just like, okay, fair enough. Do we you, always joke, but do you kind of feel like there is a? Maybe I'm just newer. To, I mean, I'm definitely newer to the scene, but kind of from last year, I didn't feel like even at that sectional game, it wasn't like, it was like, oh, Max Clark's really good, but it wasn't like, oh, there's 72 billion cameras here. Like there was a scrimmage where <laughs> it felt like, along with me, there was about 70 other cameramen and there was about 70 people checking how fast you can pitch. Like it just felt like, do you feel like there's a new atmosphere surrounding this team that's like, and just you just like wow like do you do you kind of feel that in the air at all oh be crazy man like we got we obviously have na films coming with us just to kind of shoot some behind the scenes stuff he's going to do something with us like what he did for a cg's football team um so that's going to be really cool and that's going to bring a lot of nice atmosphere and then like you said there's just random people showing up to take pictures of our team of me of like anybody who plays like that's just crazy it's unheard of um but i'm definitely glad that i mean i i would think that i brought it but i also think the team's bringing it as well like we had a great season last year 29 um whatever we did against center grove is whatever but i mean that's still competing and then that brought us a top 12 ranking so i definitely think there's some hype coming to this team this year and especially with the type of scouts that are gonna start showing up here once the season starts I think they'll bring an insane atmosphere. And then I think that's just going to end up bringing out more and more people because they want to be a part of that atmosphere. So I think it is awesome. I am all for it. Um, but I also have to remember that it's still baseball and I still have a game to play and that it's not a media photo shoot. So do you think there's like, do some of your teammates, uh, this is going to sound like kind of weird because I don't think any of your teammates, with all due respect to them, are MLB prospects. But, <laughs> uh, like, do some of them, like, when you're like, dude, the Yankees are here. Like, do they, like, play better? Like, is that, like, a, a factor dude, at all? Dude, is that something I, that happens? So, like, I'm the, like, when I realized that, like, the Yankees and the Rays were at my game the other day, like, I started getting nervous, <laughs> but then everybody else started getting hype. And I was like, <laughs> Is getting hype right now. Like I am so nervous. I'm like trembling in my baseball pants right now. But like I think it does. I also think it could just be like a little thing. Um, I think that those people being in our atmosphere is definitely like I don't know. It's like a cool thing. I don't think it really brings a vibe as much. But it's just like okay, so like we're really doing this. Like there are literally professional guys sitting in our stands right now. And then I think that you could just like convince people to play better. Uh, do you feel? I mean, you talked you know, you've talked about kind of enjoying the fact that you can kind of bring these guys along for the ride. But I mean, do you feel like it maybe gives these guys, you know, like a Logan Devonport or a Jace Fowler? I mean, does it give them a chance to get some more exposure than they might have otherwise gotten? And I mean, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Like, uh, so last year we were playing uh, Bloomington South on our senior night and um, the Mets were there to kind of scout me and just kind of get like some early looks. And uh, he ended up getting both me and Jace some awesome feedback. Uh, he loved the way Jace like threw. He was all over his bat. Like it was awesome. So kind of getting his name out there too, 
even if it's not something that he wants to pursue, like I still think that that's cool and an awesome opportunity for him. Um, and I'm glad that like my successes bring success to other people as well. And also going off of what you're saying, like next year, if things go as well or go as uh, planned, it will be crazy in terms of scouts. Like, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever been to when Nick Chanel played in high school, but it'll be wild. And somebody like Landon Basie, who's a freshman shortstop and it'll be a sophomore shortstop next year. Like he's going to get some awesome looks because obviously pro coaches, know college coaches. So if you see a, uh, like an uncommitted kid who's just popping off going three for three, makes a couple of nice plays in the field, like he can reach out to college guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that will give an opportunity to some of those kids who need more exposure um, than just what they're getting by themselves. Yeah. Speaking of college, you've kind of had that in your back pocket this whole time with, you know, the commitment to Vanderbilt, but obviously there could be, I guess, potential to um, derail that, I guess, depending <laughs> on what happens with uh, the draft situation. I guess you've got some time to think about this, obviously, but I mean, how do you kind of weigh when that time does come? Like, okay, I got picked here. This opportunity's out there. You know, what's what would it take for you to pass on Vanderbilt? Or I mean, it seems like you kind of want to go the college route, but yeah, you know, um, a point where it becomes like, all right, this is too much to pass up. I got to go. <laughs> I definitely, um, I definitely think that there's a plan that I've had intact for a long time. Um, and that's how I was always included going to college. Um, I come from an ap- academic family. Sister went to Duke and Columbia, brother went to IU and Maurer. And like, that's just kind of a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that it's going to take an astronomical amount <laughs> to pull me away from yeah. college. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, people have dreams and it's if, do you want to chase that dream or do you want to get the college life? Um, right now I'm definitely leaning towards the college life, but there's still a lot of time to prove things and to decide things. So we will see when the time comes. Yeah. I mean, like I said, obviously you got another but looking at about 14, 15 months before any of that yeah. comes into play and a lot of things can happen, but no, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to, to watch the process unfold. Is it still pretty surreal for you? Even though it's, I mean, it's uh, happening to you, you probably had a chance to get used to it to some extent, but I mean, does there, yeah. is there stuff that still kind of bugs you out or? Yeah. Um, seeing like, I, I've kind of grown into like area scouts at my games and like GMs and cross checkers show up, that's when I start like getting like nerd. Like that's when I I like it was like it was my first time that a college coach came. Um, it's kind of like you just keep progressing. Like you know, the first time you get recruited to college, a guy comes, you're nervous, and then like a couple college guys come, and then you have like an area guy, a couple area guys, and then like a GM shows up one day, and you're like, well, that's just wild. Like, uh, it's just oh man, that's still definitely surreal to me. Um, I love it, and I would never trade anything for it, but it is definitely still – gives you the butterflies 100%. Who is your favorite major league team, by the way? Uh, right now it's the Chicago White Sox because <laughs> uh, my hitting coach is the um, scouting director for the White Sox. So, gotcha. you have a good little connection there. Wrong color socks, but it's okay. We'll yeah, let, yeah. We'll let it slide. Yeah, we'll let it slide. <laughs> I guess it's better than a Yankee fan. That's definitely – anything's better than that. <laughs> I definitely never wear a Yankees hat ever. Even though yeah, I, don't I never watch. wear them. I'm totally not wearing one right now. 
Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm getting off this call. Man. Oh my gosh. All right, me and Max will do it. He's taking over. <laughs> Max, how do you feel about basketball? How do you feel about Franklin basketball? Their run. You were actually this is perfect, perfect segue. Uh, yeah, how do you feel about like their kind of run in the playoffs? Like they just you were at all those games. I saw you, Matt, the student section dude. How do you feel about their run? You know, honestly, I thought it was one of the coolest things to come through Franklin in a long time. Um, kind of seeing how Adrian got trashed kind of throughout the season from some people really, really made me feel happy for him. Um, I love the way that he battled adversity through that entire season. Kind of still getting to know his players. Um, had some, had some like, confidence issues in the beginning of the year. Um, but just to see the way he led a team that was – wait like four games below 500 and then take them to the regional championship where they probably should have would have won if uh they didn't play a game before um like that's just that's something special and that kind of shows what franklin's turning into like we have women's basketball now making it to state boys uh basketball lose state and regionals um like it's just kind of turning into some other powerhouse in Johnson County. Um, obviously, we're not on Center, obviously, we're obviously we're not on Center Grove's level yet. Um, but I think with the third of kids that come into our school, I'll take it. Yeah. Compared to Center Grove, but uh, I'm definitely I'm I'm excited for Adrian and I'm excited for the guys too. Um, the atmosphere throughout that whole tournament was great, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun to go to the games. No chance. You kind of you sweep back up next year. Oh, man, <laughs> such a dreadful question. Like, I don't know. I The only time I missed basketball this year was sectionals, regionals, and, like, the county championship. Uh, actually, the first round of county, too. That one was lit. I was in the game, and that was wild. Do you... um, I would say 30-70. 30, yes. 70, no. I got you. <laughs> Are you still? Uh, is it? Give us a number on football. Obviously, oh, hundred percent. Player there, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. I'm are worried. you? Are you at all worried about injuries? Like, obviously, um, worried, but like, yeah, is like that something. I mean, I, it's not something I like. Wake up and like dread. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't go to football and be like, oh my god, I can't step wrong, or I'm gonna like blow my ACL. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I would say it's nerve wracking to worry about getting rocked by a six five linebacker at times, but uh I guess if you just run past him it can't happen. So that's that's kinda been my motto. Like if they can't catch you, they can't tackle you. So there you uh, go. <laughs> that's why I play outside receiver and not inside. <laughs> <laughs> there you yeah. go. Try to avoid as many hits as possible. Exactly. Smart I play. mean obviously you just are like especially at a school like Franklin I think there's a difference in like cultural, culturally, like Center Grove. I think it's like, okay, you know, you're going to go to college for this. So you're only going to play this because we don't want to risk you getting injured. And obviously, but at Franklin, it's like, oh, well, you're really good at this. You're like a once in a lifetime generational athlete. Okay, here, why don't you try another sport? And that's definitely (laughs) something, that's definitely something cool. I mean, obviously not try. I think you played football all throughout middle school and all that stuff, but um I think that is something cool that I kind of admire Franklin is that they like you can have fun and play a bunch of different sports. Yeah, and then like encourage kids to play multiple sports. Like that's what I love about it. I think the whole prioritizing one sport is wrong 
But I mean, there's also some freak athletes out there like Caden Curry deciding to not play baseball because he's going to go play in college like now. Like, okay, yeah, I'll give you that one. That's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's there's certain, like you said, there's certain guys, you know, Caden or Taven Jackson, guys like that, that, you know, maybe have the ability that they don't have to put all their eggs in one basket and focus on one sport. But, mm-hmm. you know, with so many kids now, I think there's so much pressure to, get a college scholarship whether that comes from within or from parents or just from wherever they feel it but it's like well if I'm going to do that I have to be all in on this sport all the time and I mean it is kind of becoming more and more rare I think especially at bigger schools that you see the multi-sport athletes that I mean this still happens but I think a lot of kids feel like they can't do that once they hit a certain age yeah seems like it's just through middle school these days yeah it's, uh, you know, once you get to high school, it's like, all right, it's time to get serious and yeah, decide where you're going to put your focus on for, you know, you're looking ahead to college already. So there's not too many kids that can or will still do it. You know, it's maybe more, more com- common at the small schools, you know, someplace like Edinburgh where they can't fill out teams unless people play multiple sports. But <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, definitely – a dying breed, I guess you could say. Yeah, definitely. So, I guess the last thing I can think of, I mean, obviously having the county tournament so early in the season kind of throws a wrench into things. But, I mean, does that kind of give you guys something to get hyped up for early on? Like, all right, we got we got a championship to chase right out of the gate. Um. Yeah, I think it'll be – I think it'll be kind of just – I – oh, man. I don't know how we're going to attack it yet. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, last year they hid me until sectionals, which I totally understand. Um, but I also think that like Logan Devonport could do some damage against CG himself this year. You know, he's been up to 92, 93 recently. Um, just kind of having another arm in that arsenal. That's, that's a division one arm is definitely going to help us in the County tournament. Um, yeah. we also got an exceptionally good draw. Um, yeah, having got, the buy helps, right? Yeah, yeah, having the buy and then any creek in GCA definitely, uh, that definitely is a W waiting as long as we take care of the business that needs to be taken care of. Um, I think that we can see kind of what, what grit, for lack of a better term, what grit we have this year. Um, because if Logan and I don't throw against Center Grove, then we're going to have to hit and hit and hit and hit. And just keep hitting. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, when CG puts up five against Logan and I combined, then you know they're going to put up even more against maybe a three or four. So um, I'm definitely excited to see how it plays out. I think it's going to be a good one. I'm excited to get on CG's new turf because that is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm excited nice that so – Yeah, we since we, we play uh, the county at Center Grove, we play Center Grove at Center Grove this year and sectionals is at Center Grove. So, like, it's just the three crazy for three. Yeah, that's just wild. Like – Oh, you guys got a new turf field? Oh, you know what? We got you guys. Like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not – it's kind of behind schedule from what I've seen, but I went there today to do some of their stuff. Yeah, I saw your uh, – I saw the practice was, picks. Yeah, the practice picks were fire. Not really. They were kind of trash. But uh, – It's hard to shoot yeah, through a net, so. It is really hard to shoot through a net. But, yeah, they were – that field is insane. It, yeah, it's, it's so it's, cool. That's, that's it's so like, ridiculous, dude. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, I want that, my boy. I want that. 
Uh, I guess you get a chance to perhaps, uh, you know, spoil their housewarming party. Yeah. Uh, yes. Facts. Facts. So facts. I am. I am ecstatic for every single time we step on the field against Center Grove, and I don't care if we get beat all three times. I am just. Yeah. I love the competition and the pictures that come out of that and the content <laughs> are going to be so ridiculous because we just oh we just go at each other for like three hours. It's amazing. I was I'm getting chirped during stretches that. last year. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to farm that for so much content. Oh, yeah. Just dude. because the, the rivalry there, you, I mean, the way it's been explained to me by a Center Grove player is that we are both villains who like, like both the teams are like the villain team that likes to yell at the other team. And so yeah. it's, the atmosphere is just completely insane. Yeah, I was getting chirped last year by cg parents like it was ridiculous man <laughs> like i was on the mound and i just hear like three moms yelling at me it's like what are you guys doing but no it's so fun uh, and try to avoid any shouting matches with opposing fans this <clears throat> <laughs> i think i know a guy who did that <laughs> <laughs> not saying any names but <laughs> That's All right, Max, this has been great, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's awesome. I, was, I ended up being right. So, uh, just not by the right team, but whatever. It's whatever. It's whatever. It's we, whatever. You can, you can have been whatever. I don't even care. I'm done. <laughs> God. Uh, this should be a fun tournament and a fun season. I mean, like you said, we got, a, we got some really good teams and really good players here. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out for sure. Yeah, same here. It's going to be exciting. I'm ready. No About doubt. Time. Cool. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you taking some time, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to, to run it back with you at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, for, good to hear from thanks for coming on, even though there's little shots at me, but I love it. Thank you, man. <laughs> appreciate it. All right. Uh, so, Max Clark, yeah. reigning uh, Gatorade Player of the Year last year in Indiana, and um, considered by some to be a uh, top five, potentially even number one pick in the 2023 Major League Draft. That's a ways away. In the meantime, we get to uh, watch this guy play for a couple more years. And uh, I don't know. He's the real deal. I can say that. Yeah, I mean, he he just from watching him in that Ron Colley scrimmage, he was insane. And everything that I remembered him to be in that sectional championship or semifinal game but mm-hmm. yeah just kind of looking at the other teams you did a pre i did you you went in depth with tyler cerny go read that dailyjournal.com shameless plug. yeah that's another that's another guy i'm kind of looking forward to seeing because i mean we haven't really i mean yeah you know going back to I me mean, started as a freshman but that was three years ago now and i don't know if anybody even remembers what the world was like back then it's uh you know, nobody had a 2020 season, and then he had basically most of most, well, just about all last year taken away from him with the you know sort of a mystery autoimmune disorder that they still didn't really ever put a finger on exactly what it was. But you know, the good thing is on his side is that it hasn't seemed to have come back. So he's healthy, ready to go, and I mean, you plug him into what was already a very very loaded Center Grove lineup is basically you swap out Caden Curry and you bring Tyler Cerny in. So, I mean, it's – I mean, that's one through nine. It's going to be hard to find a, a more top-to-bottom talented team in the state than Center Grove. It's, that has to be the team to beat. As good as 
as good as Max Clark is, as good as Franklin is, I think any conversation about the team to beat in this area has to begin with Center Grove. Yeah, I mean, the dreaded depth. Yeah, I was going to say, we hear is going to come up. It has yeah, to. We hear so many times, but, like, when you have D1 dudes coming off, like, who aren't going to start, like, that's going to be insane. Like, just – and I think that depth was there last year, but I think, you know, you've got a guy like Noah Coy who is – he's just a freak athlete, a uh, three-sport athlete. Uh, and he – he's been getting looks, and he's a sophomore, and he's just – he you probably – he might not start. Like, it kind of just depends on, like, what that – what uh, Coach Hatfield wants to do with that Center Grove lineup. Like, there are so many options for so many – however he wants to kind of mold this lineup and, you know, in baseball, you, it's not like softball. It's you need to, and just other guys in general, like you need, mm-hmm. these guys need to rest. And he has that ability to go, you know, 13 dudes deep and, mm-hmm. or even deeper. I mean, he will go deeper. I mean, just, the, but like 13, I think is the number that it has been put on or it has been told to me is that is the amount of dudes who have actual D1 looks, not offers just because of some of their ages and grades, yeah. but a lot of a lot of looks. I mean, you've there. got you got six guys now that are committed to D1 schools already, and that's not including, you know, Mitchell Evans, who's, you know, was probably the best player on that team last year and is going to tie you as preferred walk on a football that, you know, probably almost certainly could play Division One baseball somewhere if he wanted to. Um, yeah. But, I mean, just the pitching depth, you know, the Jacob Wilson, Ben Murphy. I mean, you got so Kenny many Cornette. arms. There's so many arms you can throw at people. And I think that's kind of what separates them from a lot of teams. You know, I mean, the lineup depth is there too, obviously. But, I mean, the pitching is what's so rare at the high school level that it's hard to find teams that have more than two capable arms. I think Franklin's getting there. You know, I yeah. think beyond, you know, you got Max and you got Logan Devonport. I think those two guys are rock solid. Jackson Henry gave them some good innings last year. Noah DeArmit's kind of an intriguing guy just because, I mean, it's a lefty with a live arm. And, I mean, the production wasn't necessarily there last year, but I think the, you know, there's some tantalizing talent there. We'll see if he can put it together. Um, you know, they've got – Franklin's getting to a point where I think they've got a a decent stable of arms there – and yeah. you know they, you know they won the mid state last year. They they beat as Max noted some teams like Fishers and Cathedral that are up near the top of the pecking order. So I mean they're no slouch either. But just the the depth that Center Grove has, there's just no holes in that lineup at all. And, it is overflowing with talent. Like yeah. and that was part of the issue is with some of those teams. And I think this is something we talked a lot about about Franklin girls basketball. Is if like what happens when someone isn't happy with their minutes and doesn't know their role and how does that make your locker room explode? But from talking to coach Hatfield today, it sounds like that is not an issue with this in row. And from kind of what I've experienced, these dudes are very close. Every mm-hmm. single athletic event that they go to, they are all standing together, having fun, laughing. Uh, I've got a, tons of funny pictures of that, but uh, yeah. And they're just, they are close. So I don't think those locker room issues are going to be an issue. If anything, I think that's a, you have a guy like Owen Gofoy, Jacob Wilson, Tyler Cerny, Mitchell Evans, like all, a lot of those seniors are leaders and are like, they aren't, 
they don't have like a lot of teams like to say that they're a family and but this actually feels like they are a legitimate like very close knit group of people who is not going to have an issue with you know one guy being like oh well I deserve this minutes and causing locker room issues that just does not feel like it will be an issue with this team no I mean the fact that you have almost the entire starting lineup back is you know I think it makes it easier to kind of establish roles it's like all right I was already starting so you know, really, aside from, you know, like I said, Curry is gone, but you plug Cerny back in. The only issue is, you know, you've got, you know, Cerny more of a natural shortstop, and you had Drew Culbertson there last year. It sounds like those two guys will be kind of just manning the left side of the infield by committee. Okay, if one of them is – they're cool with whoever's at short, whoever's at third, but they know they're both going to be in the lineup. They're both cheering for each other. There doesn't. I don't think there's any real – cause for bitterness or bickering there because everybody's everybody that's in that starting lineup their roles were already established there last year so it's not like some kid can come in as a sophomore and be like oh I should be starting it's like well who are you taking out the returning division one starter at (laughs) short or the returning division one starter in the outfield like there's just there's not really any holes to fill right now so it's a lot easier I think to maybe squelch some of that the would-be bickering from kids that feel like, okay, I'm I'm coming up, I'm I'm ready to go. So not you're gonna have to wait your turn. Yeah, I mean, we're just gonna keep on saying depth, but this team is just, mm-hmm. and I think it will show whenever you know. That's when the the playoffs is really in baseball. I think when your pitching depth actually kind of matters. I think you know you can you can ride with one pitcher in the playoffs. That is very true, but. If you are pitching against a, let's say, less formidable foe, a Whiteland or a Greenwood, no offense to those teams. You know, we can get into those teams a little bit later. But I don't well, think they – but Greenwood is good. But Well, you can't you can even do it. Like, because, I mean, softball is one thing. Because, again, you can have the same pitcher throw two games in a row. But in baseball, even as, you know, a sectional and regional both, I mean, you've got to win two games in one day. And yeah. you can't throw – yeah. Jacob Wilson in the semifinal and then bring him back again in the final. You're just not going to be able to do it. You have to have a second guy who can be just as good. You have to have at least two. And maybe not just as good, but they have. But you got to be could... able to, you got to be able to look at your number two starter and say, okay, can I bank on you to win us a regional championship game? I think Ben Murphy proved he is that for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't even oh, think that Center is. Grove definitely has that. I mean, they're one of the I few mean, teams I think that does, but it's, I mean, yeah. there's so many teams that have to gamble with, okay, I'm going to throw my second guy in the semifinal thinking, okay, we got to hope we can get by and then just hold on to our number one guy for the championship game. It's really kind of a white knuckle ride when you don't have two guys that, you can definitely say, all right, I can ride either one of these guys in a championship game and we're going to win. Yeah. It's rare to have that. I mean, Indian Creek had it three years ago with, uh, you know, Trevor Ankney and Dylan Sprong at the top of their, or Dustin Sprong rather at the top of their rotation that, you know, center Grove has it now. You could argue that Franklin has it now. I think that they would feel pretty comfortable throwing Logan Devonport in a do or die game. And then, you know, holding on to Max Clark for the second game or vice versa that I think, you know, both those teams feel like they have probably at least two guys that they can bank on in those big game situations. And that, that is the key to postseason success. It's not, 
it's not like softball where you can ride a, a Keegan Rothrock or an Abby Herbst and just take that one arm all the way to a state title. You need to have multiple arms in baseball. And these guys have it. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how do you, how's that County? Can you kind of break us down? Cause that's going to be our first chance. You know, I'll be at some of the game earlier games just because of the nature of what I do there. And I cover their games like that. Mm-hmm. And, to a couple other teams games but can you kind of that's going to be our first real look at all of the county teams can mm-hmm. you kind of walk it looks like so we can kind of get the, our listeners can kind of get a look at that yeah well the problem with county and is i mean really every year one because it falls so early in the season but also that it falls during a week where most teams have conference games in there so it's like i mean say yeah. you know center grove yeah, will right. play on Center Grove will play against Edinburgh on Tuesday. And then they have to turn around and play again, some midweek games They're you know, most of these teams are playing again on third on Wednesday and Thursday before coming back and trying to play a semifinal and a final on Saturday. So it's like, I mean, how you prioritize pitching is a thing. It's, I mean, how much do the conference games mean to you? And I mean, I think we've seen in the past, well, Franklin doesn't have as much of an issue this year because they have a bye in the first round of the county tournament. Center Grove doesn't have an issue with that at all. I think that's safe to say. Well, they They won't have an issue there. I mean, one, they're playing, they're playing Edinburgh in the first round. So, I mean, they should be able to throw whoever in that game, but it's like, I mean, and them not having a conference title to play for is another thing that factors into that now. Yeah. That, not having a mixed championship to play for because they're not in there, you know, they'll still have midweek games, but are the, do those games mean less? Can they now load up on Saturday arms and throw Wilson and Murphy in the two games on Saturday because those conference games don't mean as much. Whereas Franklin will almost certainly throw Clark in their conference games during the week. What conference games do they have during what two conference games? All right, like, hold on. Pulling my up. computer is not wanting to load because I was. I will. I'm pulling up my my handy master schedule here, and I will tell you who everybody has. I would like that forwarded to me, by the way. So if you you want all that, that stuff, I do. I do. Get your own. Anyway, uh, I, you so, want me to make my own master schedule? Okay. Yes. Thanks. On Thanks, Tuesday, boss. on Tuesday, April fifth, the first round, we've got <laughs> Edinburgh at Center Grove. We've got Whiteland at Greenwood. The two winners of those will play each other in one semifinal on Saturday. The other first-round game is GCA at Indian Creek. The winner of that will play Franklin in the other semifinal. And then when those two semis are over, they roll right into a championship game. So, meanwhile, on Tuesday, Franklin will be hosting Plainfield in their conference opener. And then they'll play Plainfield again on Wednesday. My guess is that they would throw Clark and Devonport in those two games because they've got a conference title to try to win. Greenwood and Whiteland play again. That Their county game actually counts as a conference game. Okay. And then they run it back at Whiteland's place the following day as the back end of the home-and-home. Home. Center Grove has a game against Bloomington at Bloomington South on Wednesday. Indian Creek is at Danville. And then Center Grove plays at Warren – on Thursday, so they have games, but just they're not, not. They're not conference yeah. games. Yeah. So does that give? Does that alter the calculus at all in terms of who you throw 
during the week, can you throw your three and four pitchers in those non-conference games? Whereas Franklin is probably going to throw their one and two guys midweek because those are conference games. And they, again, probably, you know, as Max kind of hinted, they probably feel like they can beat Indian Creek or GCA throwing just about whoever. And then do you hold somebody in the chamber to throw against Center Grove in the championship game? Or do you just go with the, you know, what you've got left, which is kind of what they did last year when they wound up throwing, I think, Price Rucker and Noah DeArmit, who, no disrespect to those guys, but I think they were like their three and four pitchers last year, if that. And what happened, happened. It was kind of a, the game was kind of over before it began. Um, it may be a similar situation. I do think Franklin has deeper pitching this year than they did last year. But I also, again, think that having that dynamic midweek of these conference games matter more to some of these teams. And are they going to hold those, hold those pitchers for County or are they going to, try to go all in on a conference championship because it's got to be one or the other really because you're not going to throw max on wednesday and bring him back on saturday so the calculus the the game planning there by by the coaches and sort of prioritizing what means more is going to be really interesting and it's going to play a huge role in who throws in some of these county games but there is that the, the good thing is when you get to the sectional that's all out the window because yeah. there are no other games midweek on the schedule. It's just the sectional is there. And, you know, then you've got a game plan in terms of potentially having, you know, you got to potentially play two games on Monday to win a championship. Then you got to figure, okay, two, but it's not like you're going into your third and fourth starters for a championship game because there isn't those midweek games to, to deal with, but it is, part of the equation for County. And I think that's part of what makes County so interesting slash weird is that you're maybe not going to see these teams at their absolute best, just because the, the pitching decisions that need to be made for the other games during the week. Yeah. And I think like Max kind of alluded to also, like they didn't really show. I don't even think it was even a thing where they wanted to pitch him in that Mm-hmm. Oh, they played. Yeah, so, either the and the regular season game too. They didn't. They didn't throw Max at all against Center Grove. They wanted the first look at him to be in the sectional game, which was probably the smart play. I mean, if you're gonna throw, if you're gonna have one shot to really get them off guard with your number one guy, why would you not save it for the time when it counts yep. the most? So I would be I would be highly surprised if we saw. Max and I'd be even somewhat surprised if we saw Devonport throw for Franklin in the semis or the finals of the county tournament. But I would not be surprised if you see Center Grove hold Wilson Murphy. The only possible flip side to that is would Center Grove want to keep them midweek so as not to get off kilter for the following week when they have a Monday game against Columbus North a Wednesday game at LC and then a Saturday game against Jeffersonville. I mean, do they want to maybe keep Wilson and Murphy in kind of midweek slots for, but again, that's it may all that might go out the window this year because again, they don't have a conference schedule to play. 
So you don't have to say, okay, these Tuesday and Wednesday midweek games mean something more. They don't now. So you can kind of maybe pick and choose and say, all right, we want to load them for these, you know, kind of circle games on the schedule and say, okay, these are when we want our top guys ready. So I think that not having the conference thing be a part of the equation, I think gives center Grove a distinct advantage in the County tournament that they did not have before when they had to worry about pitching their best guys in those mid games to try to get a conference championship. It's going to be really interesting. I don't know how it's going to change the dynamic, but I do think it potentially could probably will honestly that it gives, you know, coach Hatfield a little bit more freedom to maybe throw guys in County that he wouldn't have if there were two games against, you know, Carmel or Warren central or whoever sitting there waiting for them two days after. Yeah, and I think a big priority of that team last year was for Center Grove, just win your conference. Like, I think they value conference maybe as that second mm-hmm. most important thing to them. And um, I think a lot of baseball teams do. I think it means more in yeah. baseball maybe than it does in a lot of other sports because of, you know, it's the randomness. Baseball is probably more random when it comes to just fluky upsets and things like that in the state tournament. And so I think winning a conference when you have to play 14, 16 games, it kind of shows that consistency, that whole body of work through the course of the season. I think it means a little bit more in that sport than it maybe does in, you know, football or basketball or whatever, when it's like, okay, all that matters is winning a sectional or regional or state championship. It's the conference means a little bit more, I think. And you see that because teams are throwing their aces on Tuesday and Wednesday. They're not holding them for weekend games that aren't part of the conference unless there's like, you know, when you get into sectionals, obviously, but I think regular season games against like a Fishers or something like that, most of the time they're not throwing their aces then. They're saving them for the conference games. So kind of looking at the other county teams, because I do. I was going to say, we pretty much spent all the time on Center Grove and Franklin. Yeah. So let's just kind (laughs) of like you, a lot of your story kind of, zoned in on or I mean not a lot of, I mean the main body was about Cerny but you kind of did hit all of the county teams kind of you break down some of those teams what and the other teams because we don't want our houses to be burnt down because we didn't bring up anybody else yeah well they got um I mean there's some youth there I think you got a lot of young teams that but maybe a lot of it's youth and experience because you had a lot of guys that had to get thrown into the fire last year as freshmen and sophomores. You saw it at Indian Creek. You know, they've got some intriguing young guys back. Um, they've got some freshmen as well. But, um, you know, just going through Indian Creek's lineup here as I pull it up, they've got, um, you know, um, Brock Bragg is kind of a guy that's been doing some good things for them behind the plate. I think he's, you know, a sophomore as – having a sophomore with a year's experience as at catcher behind him will make him pretty solid. You know, they've got some pretty good pitchers there with um, Nolan Ankney and Carter Maudlin. Carter Maudlin actually threw a perfect game last year. Hmm. Um, Grant, I think it was against, I'm pretty sure it was against Edinburgh, but, um, but still, I mean, counts. and they also still have a, uh, a freshman that uh, coach Marizzi has been raving about named Talon Steinway who I think is going to wind up starting short for them right away. And he thinks that that he's going to be a major impact player. Um, 
so they've got some intriguing young talent there. Is it going to be enough to, I mean, I'll be curious to see that first round County game against GCA actually, because GCA is another team that had to throw a lot of young guys into the deep end last year. And they, they did all right. I mean, they lost a one run game, I believe to Southwestern in the sectional Southwestern wound up winning that sectional. But I mean, I think these guys feel like they can kind of turn around and compete for a sectional title this year. So both those teams are kind of up and comers. Um, Greenwood kind of the same thing. A lot of the, they had to throw a lot of guys into the fire last year. And it was kind of, I, the, the, the comparison I used is Edinburgh basketball two years ago where, you know, they went six and 18, won a couple sectional games that they shouldn't have, and then kind of got a ball rolling where they became a really good team the last two years. Greenwood baseball, same thing. They went four and 20 during the regular season. Then they turned around and shut out Whiteland in a sectional semifinal and they gave center Grove a, a reasonably competitive game. I mean, when they went the full seven innings, I think it was a six to one game. They scored first. And okay. Of, a six to one game is not competitive. It, Dude, I was there. It was, I mean, you know, there was never the avalanche that you would have expected. You know, they kind of held the floodgates back. Like center Grove really never had a huge inning. It was sort of just kind of drip, drip, drip. And they sort of gradually kind of took the lead and pulled away. But I mean, it was, it was so, six, one against center Grove. When you're, a, when you're coming into the tournament at four and 20. Okay. That's good. Show. That's good. To not get run ruled, they, that's not competitive. Like you can't was, say uh, it was a competitive six to one game. Okay. Anyways, I don't. Uh, I mean, that, uh, but any I'm other game, saying, that's like they, a I'm saying that's they a got. I'm saying they finished the season on a high note. They've got a lot of these yes, guys back. That is true. They have some momentum coming in, and I could I could see a situation where you know they maybe they don't flip it and go twenty and four, but you know can they? get some momentum going and potentially be a 500 team this year. I think it's, it's possible. You know, they've got I mean, some, some pretty good guys back that, you know, um, you know, Cade Kelly and Landon Smith both had to come in and start as freshmen last year. Um, Kelly was a pretty good pitcher. Um, Luke Faisal, they've got some pretty good arms back and they've got, you know, eight, 10 guys that saw some action last year. And I think that's going to mean, that's going to mean something. So like GCA and Indian Creek, I think they have the potential to maybe turn things around a little bit. Whiteland had some guys that didn't come back out, which I think was disappointing for them, but they do have a few guys back, um, especially at pitcher. I think they're a team that has two pretty good guys on the Hill with Caden Wilburn and um, Drew Helton. Um, Helton's only a sophomore and his name should be familiar to um, Center Grove fans because his older brother Luke was the guy who pitched Center Grove out of the sectional three years ago with an 18 strikeout game. Um, Drew Helton is probably not to that level yet, but I mean, he gives them a pretty solid arm along with Wilburn. I think those are two guys that they can ride and maybe be competitive in the mid state and at least, you know, when you've got guys like that that are capable of maybe shutting a lineup down for a game in a sectional, that's all you need to just have a puncher's chance. I mean, you can take anybody out if your pitchers are on on any given day. And I think this 
you know, any of these teams really, you know, Whiteland, Franklin Center Grove, Mooresville, Martinsville, like they all have pitchers who are capable of shutting someone down and really disrupting that sectional when we get to the end of the year. Yeah, uh, I mean, Edinburgh is the one team I didn't mention. Sorry, I want to jump in real quick with them. They went no, one in 16 sure. last year. Um, a big thing with them, their coach Dennis Smith said was, you know, last year it was they walked too many batters and they just really had problems with situations where they had two outs and had a chance to get out of an inning, couldn't do it, and things just kind of snowballed. Like they just gave up too many big innings, too many two-out hits. I think if they can kind of shut that down, the Edinburgh's thing, you know, as it is in a lot of sports, is that they you know, you're leaning on so many multi-sport athletes that these guys weren't in the shed all winter hitting. They were playing basketball or they were playing football. It's like they weren't all in on baseball. And it's kind of hard sometimes to get those athletes to transition when they maybe haven't picked up a bat or a glove much in the last nine months. So we'll see if they can get it rolling. I mean, those guys, I think the ones that have played football and basketball maybe have that confidence of success there. And maybe that translates. I do think they'll win a few more games this year, but I don't expect them to really be that kind of a factor where we're going to be talking about them playing for a sectional title or anything like that. It's just how much can they improve? Yeah, and for those, especially those teams that I think you said one in 16, correct? Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, I mean, just being three and that, picking up a couple more wins is like tripling your win winning percentage mm-hmm. from last year. So, like, that, that that's a big, especially for momentum for program building. So, if they I'm can just do trying that, to avoid the big innings and the, you know, getting run ruled and things like that. I think if you, if you lose 10, 15 games, but you're going seven innings in all of them. You're losing by two, three runs instead of eight or 10. You know, those things matter. And I think those are kind of things that maybe a team can build on. Like I said, with Greenwood, you know, they were, they were struggling big time at the beginning of the year, but by the end they were piecing it together when, I mean, nobody expected that sectional final game to go seven innings. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I don't center Grove really, I think it was a three or three to one or four to one game really until the last couple innings that they were, they were right there. I mean, it was – I think what it came down to is once they got that first run, I mean, Jacob Wilson just went into shutdown mode and they couldn't get anything going. But Center Grove was really having trouble getting much going offensively against them on the other side, and they were able to keep it, you know, certainly closer than it was expected to be. So, you know, Greenwood, like I said, there's there's teams that have some kind of youthful momentum, and we'll see – what they can do with it. I think, you know, GCA could potentially be playing for a sectional title. Indian Creek could potentially be playing for a sectional title. And then obviously, you know, Franklin and Center Grove up at the top of things. I mean, I think those are, I think there's, I think they're two of the top 10 teams in the state, but you know, at least one poll seems to disagree with me on that front so far, but we'll (laughs) see if they, if they end up being wrong or if I'm just gassing Franklin up a little bit more than they need to be, but I, I think I'm right. Center Grove is for sure a top five team. I think Franklin, I, I agree, but I do think there can be, you can question if Franklin is a top 10 team, but they definitely, mm. I think they're, I think they're, to not them, deserve an, they, to not get an honorable mention. No, is for, 23, ridiculous. for 23 teams to get votes in the coaches poll and for them not to get one of them, when you have, you know, an outfield with three division one players, you've got the best player for sure in the state, if not the country. I mean, that enough should at least be able to get one person to be like, you know what, let's throw them a vote. Let's see they're at least in the ballpark. But, I mean, 23 teams <laughs> got mentioned, and Franklin didn't was not one of them. I think that's kind of 
disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, hey, motivation for them. But I think – Yeah, I think it's kind of silly if you want to be like they're not. Those two teams I feel like are the sectional championship. If things – Obviously, because we're silly and the IHSA just decides not to seed things, mm-hmm. which would be going. very, very easy. Okay, okay. We won't get going, but which <laughs> would be very easy on baseball. It would be extremely easy. And, like, the entire game is, like, numbers. You could – but anyways, like, I could create a program. I don't even care. I'll do it. IHSA, hit me up. Um. Okay, anyways, it like, if it, you get a good draw, like – it doesn't really matter. Like those two teams are the best teams in that sectional. And then also like, if you look at a team like GCA, like if they get a good draw or if Edinburgh gets a good draw, kind of like similar degree, positive momentum going, you know, they might have a competitive one, six game, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how it all shakes out. I mean, obviously, you know, baseball is a funny game and anything can happen, but I think, full body of work over the course of the season. I do think, you know, Franklin Center Grove obviously are going to show people what they've got, and we'll see kind of who else from the county can kind of make a come up. Not to get to that level, I don't think anyone else is really – I think there's a pretty clear top tier there. Yeah. But, you know, who sort of sorts themselves out as the, the best of the rest, so to speak. But I think there's a couple teams there that could potentially, you know, have some have some – success of you know winning record and potentially playing for a sectional title in one of those lower classes that um yeah def- there's definitely some intriguing young talent a lot of a lot of sophomores and juniors that had to start last year and I think that experience is going to pay dividends this year and next yeah this season is going to be I mean I'm kind of new to baseball I'm new to most sports but and obviously we talked a lot about baseball but the, this this could be one to be a very very successful for a lot of Johnson County teams spring mm-hmm. I mean you winter it was kind of girls basketball and it ended up being Franklin boys basketball which we can talk about in a minute and wrestling uh for the county and then where you know and swim they both were two top 10 teams so maybe I'm just talking out of my butt but I do think this could be a very competitive like spring for a lot of teams in Johnson County and mm-hmm. baseball is at the forefront of that with center row being ranked two, five in some polls and or rankings. And then also Franklin being a very good team with a very, very good player and the strong supporting cast. Yeah. And I mean, we'll get into, I think we'll come back maybe next week and run back a little bit with uh, softball and, probably most of the other spring sports as well. We'll try to get some uh, some other guests in here. But um, before we take off, I do want to maybe touch on, you know, do a, a little bit of a sweeping up, so to speak, on winter because we haven't really convened in the last few weeks and we have seemed to maybe shortchanged a few people, especially yeah. when it comes to boys basketball. Franklin boys basketball, uh, I think that's where we have to start off. Edinburgh also – uh, held North Davies, whatever their name is. Uh, Davies. I'm gonna, I'm, get it right. We're always going to make this joke, and then we're never going to. Let's just hope they're not good next year. Uh, that, te- <laughs> that team, not Edinburgh. I always want Edinburgh to be good. I always want yeah. Um, But, you know, Edinburgh got kind of kept a very 
mm-hmm. and that being a two-point loss and something that they really – Well, they both had close can. losses, and I mean, the, I think the thing yeah. is, is just two very divergent paths. Because, I mean, Edinburgh, you know, they were, they were in the top five, top ten in Class A all through the season. I think we kind of expected that. They were a heavy favorite in their sectional. I think last time we had gotten together, we had kind of talked a little bit going into the sectionals about – you know, they, Edinburgh was a clear favorite, and they took care of business, and then they wound up drawing North Davies in that regional game. They were expected to do that. Franklin, I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Certainly not. No. Certainly not. Certainly not a month ago. Neither of us saw it coming. Like, like on, like no. Just being honest, like I, I was like, this is a team that will probably. I thought really any team. Uh, that won our sectional wouldn't really have a strong chance in that. It is a very good, like, not, but it's a pretty good regional with some pretty good teams, and I didn't mm-hmm. think any of these teams had chances. And no, I mean Floyd was certainly <laughs> going to be favored against any of them. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And, Franklin went in and handled. Uh, it was. I it was kind of like I was just sitting there on the court taking pictures, and I was just like, oh. This like I was just shaking my head in disbelief because I just was like, "This is absurd." But it didn't feel absurd. Like this is not capable in the future. It feels like you know you have the best player, in my opinion, in the county, and Micah Davis. You know, some hate there, but and, and it's a super competitive. Like it's not like oh, clearly Micah Davis, but um, I think they have a lot of pieces that this isn't just a one year run. Like getting their feet under Adrian Moss, getting his feet under him, kind of, I think learning, has learned too, you know, shortening up that lineup a little bit, kind of getting those guys locked in defensively to where they were a good defensive team. Even, I mean, a really good defensive team, I think you could argue. And I think that they have to be kind of one of those favorite teams for next year. Yeah, next year is going to be interesting. But, I mean, you look at what happened with Franklin this year, it's funny because, I mean, even while they were struggling, I think you and I had kind of said, like, it's there's – it's it was Potential. frustrating because there was talent there. It was like, okay, you see these crazy things that they were doing, and it's like just the consistency and the just kind of putting it all together. And it kind of reminds me of what's been happening with the Boston Celtics, honestly. <laughs> um no, seriously, because I mean, they were no, the yeah. beginning of the year. You had a new great analogy, system, and they were struggling. I mean, they were struck. There was kind of trying to make all the pieces fit. I mean, they were eighteen and twenty-one at one point, and then just suddenly something clicks for Franklin. It was that Columbus North game when they switched the lineup and went to four guards. And you know, with Boston, it was kind of all right. We got everybody healthy. We settled on a five. We got rid of Dennis Schroeder and kind of got some people that were maybe a better fit at the trade deadline. And I mean, they're they've won twenty eight out of their last thirty five games, and they're gonna possibly have a shot at getting the number one seed in the East here. It's kind of a similar thing, where it's just really kind of finding the right mix of players, getting guys that were that fit together, people who are gonna buy into the system and be willing to do what they need to do. And it just took them a while, but I think by the end, I mean, Micah Davis. I mean, we I, you heard all the hype about him coming in. And I just wasn't really seeing it in the first half of the year. But, I mean, man, was he a revelation in that sectional? It was just he took over. When they needed him, whether it was against Whiteland or against Center Grove, it was like that third quarter came and it was like, all right, we need somebody to grab this game by the throat and just take it over. And he was the guy that did that. 
whether it was creating for other people or just going to the hole himself, just whatever he had to do, like Micah Davis owned that sectional. And it was pretty incredible to watch. It's like, I mean, this, this is a kid who could do some things the next two years. Yeah. It's crazy to kind of think he's a sophomore and just like, he's a, he was a very, very good player. Um, for Franklin, I, I like you said, kind of not all season. It was like, okay, he's got these flashes, but then mm-hmm. can he put it together defensively? Can he, you know, stay consistently a one of the best players in the game or the best player in the game? Because mm-hmm. I think he kind of proved. I think, for at least from my perspective, he was the best player in that regional. I mean, you could kind of argue a couple guys on Bloomington North might have been better, but I think. Had a great game plan for shutting him down, but I mm-hmm. uh, kind of just the potential there. And if he's just now tapped into it, and he like if he can keep that rolling, and you know him and Moss can kind of build this Franklin basketball. I don't want to say dynasty, but just really good teams. Like you know, this was a great run for them, and you kind of saw the map now as if their entire community came around and supported them and. It was a really, really good run that felt improbable at the beginning of the season, like, or I think the middle of the season, but, Mm -hmm. you know. And I mean, you've got, I mean, they're going to, they are going to lose some pieces. I mean, Sam OJ and Carson Hunter, both seniors, um, you know, Tristan Coleman's a senior. So, I mean, that's three starters they're going to have to replace. But I mean, when you got Wyatt Nicholson, who I think again was, I mean, just the three point shooting, the timeliness of his three point shooting, especially, you know, I think those two threes he hit right before halftime against Center Grove, including the just, oh, my goodness, bank at the buzzer. It just really <laughs> totally shifted the momentum of that game. And I think really start that those two shots, I think, really got Franklin. Be- All right, we got this. Like, we can win this thing now. And they did. But, I mean, you're bringing him back. You're bringing Micah back. Um, Dylan Beverly's got one more year left. Um you know, some other guys that are going to have to maybe step up and play bigger roles than they did. But, I mean, the pieces are in place there for them to have a pretty decent team next year. The thing is, though, I mean, you could say the same for several teams in the county. I think a lot yeah. of the best a lot of the best players in the county this year were underclassmen. I mean, you look at Wyatt McLaughlin at Whiteland, who was just an absolute microwave for them off of the bench that just really – help them find another gear offensively sometime. And you got him and Austin Willoughby, Braden Roy, all back. I mean, they got, again, some, I think, three starters to replace, but there's definitely pieces in place there. Center Grove, Marcus Ankeny, it's just an absolute bucket. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. you bring back him, Ethan McComb, Joey Schmitz, Jalen Bundy. That's a crazy guard lineup that I don't mm-hmm. like. They're, they're going to have to – They're, they're going to have somebody th- step up inside, you know, whether it's a Will Spellman or whoever it is. But, I mean, they're going to have to maybe find some size that can contribute. And maybe if they just want to go the Franklin route and go a four-guard lineup, like mm-hmm. Jalen Bundy at the point is a defensive monster, and he could lock down basically anybody who wasn't super – And he's a guy, too, that I think, you know, when you look back at – you know, when Landon Hacker was a sophomore, he was basically a JV guy, wasn't getting a lot of minutes, didn't have to do a lot because they had a loaded senior class in his way. He comes back as a junior and he balls out. 
And I think Zach Khan is kind of hoping that he can get a similar jump out of Bundy that, and I mean, he'll, he'll do it with more varsity experience behind him that, okay, can he step up, maybe be a little bit more assertive and kind of become more of a go-to guy for them at the offensive end? Um, I think he believes and, that that's possible. And Bundy was one of those guys that you would watch it and he'd be like, okay, he hasn't turned the ball over. He's got three steals and he has four assists. Now he only has two points, but he's doing everything else correct. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't a super aggressive guy and he was, I think just statistically was their most efficient shooter from the two. Like he just, if he was shooting not a three, like he was their most efficient shooter and he he just he never made mistakes like it felt like very rarely was I like Bundy what were you doing there? well it's like, the Lauren it's the Lauren Clem effect you know yeah. just the stuff that doesn't you, show up on the stat sheet when people when you average like four points a game and people are still picking you out like oh wow this is yeah you know this is somebody that was really really important to them and I think there's plenty of glue guys like that around the county that are maybe going to have to step up into bigger roles for the teams next year, kind of like Noah Apgar did this year for Greenwood. He was kind of just a defensive stopper last year. And then this year he had to be kind of everything for them. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, Joey Schmitz, he was one of those guys that I think kind of, we, at least for our media, we kind of thought he was one of those guys that could have really taken a big step here, but you know, you saw him and whereas like, He's kind of got some Marcus A level uh, scoring, and you know Ethan McComb can shoot the lights out of the ball. And then you look at Whiteland; like they've got guys that maybe well, are not like Wyatt is. You could have argued probably right right after County. I think a lot of people were arguing, okay, this is the County Player of the Year pretty clearly. And you know Dewey's returning, and they've got if you have four really good players returning to their teams, and then also you know Carter Campbell on. Um, Greenwood, he's a great player, and he was one of their better players. Well, I think what you need to see, what you need to see from guys like whether it's Campbell or McComb or whoever Joey Schmitz, that what's really going to be take some of these guys to the next level is to go from okay, I'm a great, I'm a really good spot up shooter who can knock down threes when I get open looks versus I can create offense for myself off the dribble. That's what makes Marcus Ankeny. Yeah the go-to guy for center Grove. That's what makes Caleb Dewey an elite scorer for Edinburgh. That's what makes Micah Davis the guy for Franklin. It's being able to create off the dribble and get to the basket when those shots aren't falling. That's what make, that's what made Wyatt McLaughlin the guy for Whiteland at times yeah. was when, I mean, I think against Franklin in that sectional game, I think literally he was the only one that scored for them in the first half because shots weren't going down, but he's the kind of guy that it's like, all right, I'm going to put my head down take my guy off the dribble and get to the basket and just make something happen. And those are the guys that kind of have established themselves as the, as the best offensive players, because the shots aren't going to go every night. You can't just make a living off three pointers. Like those got the, the big guys are going to be the ones that can be more than just spot up shooters. And I think, you know, Franklin center Grove, they need a couple of those other guys to maybe elevate their games and become that where they can get to the basket when shots aren't falling, you know, they're going to need another score to step up to kind of augment those guys. They can't just all be on Micah or all be on Ankney or all be on Dewey. Somebody's going to have to kind of emerge as another guy that can do that for each of those teams. 
Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I'm closer to Center Grove just because I cover them every day. Oh. So I see, I see. Yeah, I'm a homer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, clip it. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm closer to Center Grove, so I see the kind of those guys. But I think guys always kind of find a way, and coaches usually find a way to kind of get another guy on their team to step into that role. It's for sure next year is going to be maybe not as good, like objectively, but it, I think that it could be a more competitive county tournament where it feels like, you know, there was every quote unquote beatable, but there wasn't a, it didn't really ever feel like, you know, Indian Creek had a chance. It never really felt like, and maybe, you know, next year, every single team can go in and be like, you know, we've got a really good chance of this. Like, and I think that's kind of more of the fun. Obviously, you want playoff success, but I think mm-hmm. they're just because there's going to be kind of almost a little bit of a power vacuum just because of how many seniors we're losing. I think it will be a very fun county tournament, at least that. And then sectionals mm-hmm. is a whole nother story. I mean, I think, yeah, you come, I mean, Whiteland obviously can't be discounted because they're the defending champ in it, but, you know, losing three pretty high quality starters, they still got two you know, pretty high quality offense guys back with uh, with Willoughby and McLaughlin that, you know, they should be in the mix. Franklin obviously has to be considered in the mix. Center Grove, I think, you know, with Ankeny and just the sheer volume of other guys that they'll have. Depth. There's back, a lot of depth. yep. The D word. But, <laughs> I mean, it is it is a real thing. Yeah. And, no, I mean, that's a center grove. Like, maybe they don't have the best player, but they have the seven other. They have the best bench in the county. Like, that's kind of their thing. Most uh, maybe of the time they do. I mean, basketball, yes. I think it's easier for a smaller school to kind of negate that difference. But certainly yeah. when it comes to, like, baseball, soccer, football, things like that, where you need 15, 20 good kids to fill out a roster, I think that's where you see it matter the most. I don't think it matters as much in basketball. But, yeah, we'll see. There's a lot of unknowns, and then there's always the, the great unknowns of player movement, transfers, things like that, which seem to happen more and <laughs> yeah. more now. That yeah. you know, maybe, maybe Center Grove's roster looks different next year. Maybe Franklin has someone else or someone comes in, someone leaves. Who knows? Maybe GCA adds a couple more pieces. You know, we, you never know who's going to show up at your uh, – on the doorstep of a school on in the first week of August or whatever. And, or even later than that, but you know, going into it, I think Franklin center Grove, Whiteland, I would say kind of have separated themselves into maybe sort of the lead pack going into next season. Yeah. Which it was only really center Grove and Whiteland in that first two. So Franklin has definitely elevated themselves into that. Yeah. They're, they're in that conversation now for sure. Yeah. And then, and, you know, Edinburgh and GCA, I think, kind of work as, you know, intriguing possibilities that maybe don't have quite the same manpower or proven yeah. depth across the board. But, you know, they'll have, you know, especially with Caleb Dewey, I think Edinburgh at least has. I mean, we're talking about a guy who potentially could end next year as one of the top five boys scorers in county history. Yeah, and I you think know, we're looking like he's guy, probably going to end up somewhere in the, you know, 16 to 1800 point range for his career, which is not too bad. Yeah. And if you can get a guy like that rolling in a game, you know, 
until mm-hmm. it's a one game. We don't play seven game series in high school basketball, so no. You know. So I'm saying, yeah, you, yeah. Those, those are teams, and you know, the or Greenwood finish the season. I mean, these these are teams yeah. that are going to have a puncher's chance against anybody. And you can kind of look at Greenwood and be like, well, they slow, gritty, defensive style of basketball mm-hmm. that's going to make it it's a two point be, game. It's going to be they're gonna, them because they do lose yeah. a lot of the gritty. You know, you know, Gavin Rupert, Noah Apgar. Yeah, those are some guy. You know, Adam Ellinghausen. They lose some size. They lose some grittiness. They lose some athleticism. They might have to look a little different next year. But you know, if Joe Bradburn can work his magic again, and I think he's done a pretty good job out of you know maximizing the talent that he has there the last few years. That you know, we'll see what he can pull out of his hat. And you know, they're always lurking, but. You know, again, Center Grove, Franklin, Whiteland, I think, are pretty clearly the the top tier going in. And then, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But next season feels a long way away right now. Yeah. We will be previewing the rest of spring sports next week. We might have on, a, or we should have on a couple fun guests, maybe just one. But I do yeah, think. Yeah, we got we to we gotta dig yeah. into softball for sure. Softball is going to be super interesting. And I'm super, and, you know, track, that's a whole Goliath on Center Grove. It's just coming in maybe as a two rank, maybe as a top three, five team. You know, they've got the which should be a very fun time to cover. But for now, yeah, we'll have this plenty is plenty to talk about. Yeah, this is the Unbeatables. I'm Sam Finley. Ryan. That's Ryan that's O'Leary. Me. Yep. <laughs> uh, I was going to wait for you to do your outro, but who cares? All right. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Indeed.